Hello and welcome to the WMBC 615 podcast. My name is Daniel. On behalf of our entire church family here at Whitley and our pastor Scott Gillen, it is my pleasure to say welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you. Before we get into the message, let me encourage you to visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash WMBC 615. Or if you're on the Facebook app, just search WMBC 615. Be sure and follow the page. That way, anytime we go live, you'll know about it and you can tune in. And we also post some fun content there sometimes. You can also follow our podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. Just simply search WMBC 615 in the search bar. For the message today, Brother Scott is bringing us to 2 Peter chapter 3. We're going to be talking about the return of the Lord and the life that Christians today should be living. Be sure and have your Bibles open and read with us if you can. If not, listen up and hear for yourself what the Bible has to say as Brother Scott brings us with him through the Word of God. this message and I was doing some final studying today, I was thinking, man, I should have done a part four. So, but I announced that this would be the last one. So I'm going to do it. And I hope you come tonight wanting to learn something from the word of God. And I do pray that tonight the Holy Spirit will get hold of our hearts. I really do. I've been praying about that, praying that the Lord will get hold of our hearts, my heart and the hearts of everyone here. But the Christian and coming of Christ, let's pray. And let's ask God to bless our time as we look into the Word of God tonight. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. And now, Father, I pray that the Holy Ghost of God would give us what we need tonight. Father, I need a touch from you. I need something from you so I can give it to the folks that are listening tonight, to the folks that are here. And Father, I pray that your hand would be upon us tonight, be upon me. Give me the message of God. And Father, help me to give the right interpretation of the Scriptures. Father, help me when it's my idea to say it's my idea. And Father, when it's the word of God, let me to proclaim it true and loud. Now, Father, open the windows of heaven, pour out your spirit now. Use me, for I ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, let me remind you about the book of 2 Peter. In 2 Peter, we find a strong warning about false teachers. That's what the, almost the entire book is about, a warning about false teachers. He is warning people about those who pervert or deny the truths of Jesus Christ. Not only that... He is warning about those who would deny the teachings of the Bible. Think about that for a minute. Who would deny the teachings of the Bible. And specifically for us in this hour tonight, you and I, it is a a warning about those who would deny the second coming of Jesus Christ, who would deny it. Now, here in 2 Peter chapter 3, the apostle reminds us that in the last days, and by the way, you and I live in that time known as the last days, he reminds us that in the last days, False teachers would deny the second coming of Jesus Christ. They would also not only just deny the second coming, they would deny the history of God's judging sin found in the pages of Scripture. They would deny that, and he deals with that in 2 Peter 3. Folks, we are seeing this very thing in our day and age. We live in these last days. We are living in that time when people are denying the truths of Scripture. They are denying the truth of the second coming. They are denying the truth. They are not just denying it. They're mocking the Bible, the Word of God. And they're actually, we have people today that are twisting the Scripture. You say, what does that mean, Brother Scott? They are making it say what they want it to say, to teach their views, their false doctrine, their erroneous things. They are twisting the truth of Scripture. Now, here in 2 Peter chapter 3, in dealing with the second coming, Peter gives us the answer to this. He gives us the answer. There are two things. Let me point out real quick, then we'll get into our verse for tonight where we're going to start. 
But he gives us the answer. Number one, he says, remember what the Bible teaches. Remember what the Bible teaches. And that's what he's saying down in verse 2. If you look at verse 2 again, he said that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles, of our Lord and Savior. Now, the words of the prophets are found in the Old Testament. The words of the apostles are found in the New Testament. You know what he's saying? He's saying, remember what the Scripture says. Remember what the Bible says. Now, again, let me remind you tonight. Let me remind everybody what you and I believe needs to be based upon the Bible, the Word of God. It needs to be based upon this book. What you and I believe shouldn't be based on what a preacher says. You shouldn't base what you believe what on what I say. You shouldn't base your beliefs on what the church says or a denomination says. You shouldn't base your beliefs on society. You shouldn't base your beliefs on a politician or a political movement. Your beliefs, my beliefs, need to be based upon the Bible, the Word of God. Did you get that? It needs to be based upon the Bible, the Word of God. And if it comes between the Bible and a man, guess who wins? The Bible does. If a man says one thing and the Bible clearly says something else, you follow the Bible. Did you get that? There's no in-between on that. There's no in-between. So the Bible needs to be the basis of what we believe. It needs to be the basis. The second thing the Apostle Peter says here, as the Holy Spirit directed him to write, is this. Not only did he say, look at the Bible, remember what the Bible says, remember what the Scripture teaches, he said, number two, the Lord will keep his promise. The Lord will keep his promise. And that's down in verse 9. Down in verse 9, he said, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but his long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know what he's saying? He said the Lord is going to keep his promise, and he is going to return one of these days. My friends, mark it down. Jesus will come back one of these days. He said in John chapter 14 and verse 3, I will come again. And my friends, he will come, but he will return in his time. The idea of the word slack there, again, remember, is tardy. The idea there is he is not tardy. He has a time which he is going to come. And the reason he has not come yet is because he is waiting to give people a chance to repent. Did you catch that in this verse? What he's saying in this verse is he does not want to see people perish. He does not want to see them face eternal destruction. So he is waiting because he wants them to turn to him for salvation. Because if they don't and he comes, they are going to face the judgment of God and they are going to face eternal destruction. So he is waiting because he is giving them a chance to repent. Now, that brings us down to verse 10. We've already touched on this verse a little bit. We're going to pick up here and move forward. But in verse 10, we see Peter's response continuing. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Now, folks, the first thing you need to catch from this is this. He is letting us know that the day of the Lord's long-suffering will come to an end one day. In verse 9, he talks about the reason Jesus hasn't come back yet because the Lord is long-suffering or patient. He is waiting. He is giving people a chance to get saved. But in verse 10, you got to understand, one of these days, that's going to be over with. That day is going to end. The day of waiting, the day of his patience on people is going to come to an end. Why? Because one day, it'll all end when Jesus returns. And when Jesus returns, 
It will be sudden, and if you read the verse, it's going to be catastrophic. Did you catch that? It'll be sudden and catastrophic. In fact, he likens it to a thief that breaks in a house. You don't know when he's coming, and he does a lot of damage when he comes, right? It's, all, it's catastrophic when a thief breaks in. Well, that's what Jesus is talking about here. When he comes back, it's going to be sudden and catastrophic. Catastrophic. Why? Because when he returns, it will be a time of judgment. A time of judgment. In fact, notice that first little phrase there. He talks about the day of the Lord. Did you get that? But the day of the Lord, you know what the day of the Lord is? That's a time of judgment upon this earth. A time of judgment. Now, I want you to do something here. You say, Brother Scott, how do you know it's a time of judgment? Well, I want you to notice verse 10. We're going to read it again. And I want you to notice the description given in verse 10, okay? Notice what he talks about in verse 10. Then we're going to go back and read another verse in the text. Look at verse 10 again. He said, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be what? Burned up. Is that what it says? Is that what it says? It's going to be burned up, right? Look at Now go back to verse 7. Verse 7. But the heavens of the earth, which are now by the same word kept in store, reserved unto what? Fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So you, you compare those two verses and he tells you that the day of the Lord, when all this happens, is going to be a day of what? Judgment. And then he says perdition of ungodly men. God is going to judge people too. And they're going to face their end for rejecting Jesus Christ. It will be a time of judgment. But notice what he said. When Jesus comes back and the day of the Lord comes, this time of judgment, everything is going to be wiped away by fire. Did you get that? Everything going to be wiped away by fire. The heavens, you know, the air and the sky and all the beautiful stars, all that. The earth, the earth is going to be wiped away. And he says the works therein in verse 10. You know what the works are? The works are the world system, everything in the world. You know, the world system that we live in. Everything that is man-made. Think about that for a minute. Everything that is man-made. Think about all the buildings that have gone up. This church building is going to be gone. You know it? The things that are man-made. You think about the amazing feats, structural feats. You know, the bridges and things like that. It's all going to be gone. The engineering feats. But not only that, but think about this. Everything you and I have ever worked for in life is going to disappear. Everything physical on this earth. Hey, friends, do you know why now? He said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Why? Because one of these days, all this stuff here is going to fall down, you know? Right now, we're working on something at the house, and, and one of the things I've noticed that wood after a while, you know what it does? It rots, right? It rots where moth and rust doth corrupt, you know? Let me tell you something, stuff rots. But one of these days, God in judgment is going to take it all away. Everything's going to be consumed by fire. Can I say two things right here? My friend, if you're lost tonight, if you're listening on Facebook or on the podcast and you're lost, can I tell you something tonight? That day is going to come. But right now you live in an age of grace and mercy and where God is being patient and he's given you a chance to get saved. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. My friend, you need to be saved now. You don't need to put it off. Why? You don't know what tomorrow's going to bring, Proverbs 27.1. You need Christ today. Would you trust Christ today? If you're willing to repent of your sin and by faith, by faith accept Jesus, he will save you, lost friend. 
He'll save you. You need to come to him. But Christian, let me ask you something tonight. Do you know someone that's lost that needs Jesus? Don't you think it's time that you and I got burdened about them and started praying for them and trying to witness to them and tell them about Jesus? Oh, they need Jesus. Pray for them. Hey, yes, let's pray for them. And we need to get serious about praying for them. But you know what? It's about time we started talking to them too. You say, Brother Scott, they won't listen. Okay, fine. Still try. And if they don't, start praying, you know? Figure out a way. Try to talk to them. Folks, Jesus is coming again one of these days. And one of these days, yes, judgment is going to come. You say, Brother Scott, that's kind of harsh. Hey, let me tell you something. I wish this was not true. I wish it wasn't true. But guess what? If I knew down the street there was a bridge out and I didn't warn you, what kind of person would you think I was? And I let you go running off down through there. You know, my wife and I were driving somewhere the other day and up by our house was a wicked turn. A wicked turn. And it seems like every time you turn around or every time something happens, somebody misses that turn. And they plow through the guardrail that's there. And I mean, they tear it up. So obviously they're going some speed or something. I don't know. You know, but I, I mean, it's tore up right now. Or at least it was a couple of days ago. It may have been fixed. But you know, it's like, wow. But you know, there's a sign before you get there that talks about the turn. You know, I'm thinking maybe they ought to move the signs back a little bit further and give people a lot more warning. Folks, there's, let me tell you, I'm trying to give a warning tonight. Because Jesus is coming one of these days. And yes, the judgment of God is going to fall on this earth and on people. I wish that wasn't true, but it is. That's what the Bible tells us. You say, well, that's horrible. What kind of God do you serve? I serve a holy God, but right now you don't need to worry about what kind of God he is in, except in the fact that he is merciful because he hasn't come back yet and he's given you a chance to get saved, lost friend. He's being merciful, merciful, long-suffering, patient, patient. He's putting up with this mess in hopes that more people will get saved. That brings us down to verses 11 through 18. And in verses 11 through 18, he changes a little bit. And he starts talking about Christian living in the light of what he's already revealed here about the coming of Christ and the false teachers and, and this judgment of God that will fall. Christian living in light of what we know. And in fact, what we know is kind of re referenced three times in verses 11 through 18. Look down in verse 11 and notice what he says. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? He said these truths, the things that we have already seen here that you know should be a motivation for holy and godly living. They ought to be a motivation for the child of God, for those who claim Christ, to live a holy and godly life. Folks, think about it for a minute. You and I have been set apart from the world unto God, have we not? Set apart from the world unto God. You know what you and I need to remember? You and I need to remember that God is holy and that he is perfect in every way and that he is exalted above everything and that he is without sin. There is no hint of sin or wrongdoing in him. He always does that which is right. He cannot do wrong. And 1 Peter 1 verses 15 and 16 says, as God is holy, you and I are to be holy like God. You say, wait a minute, Brother Scott. I cannot be perfect. No, but we are to strive to live a holy life and get away from the sin of the world, are we not? Yes. He said in 2 Corinthians 6, 17, Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. How many of us get into unclean things all the time? 
or wicked things, you know? Think about it, 1 John 2, 15, love not the world, neither the things are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And he talks about all the different things in the world. Less of flesh, less of the eyes, pride of life. What, that's in the world. What should you and I be striving to do? We should be striving to live a holy life. We should be striving to live a godly life. One that is devoted to God. And devotion that shows devoted, I mean devotion that shows in our life, in our actions, in our thoughts. Devoted fully to him. Devoted to God. He's talking about how we ought to live. Knowing all these things are going to happen. Verse, 13, verse 12 looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Now, I got to tell you, when you look at verse 12, I got to say there's a little bit of debate about verse 12, about what it means. I will tell you this right up front. Some people believe, some believe and some good people believe that you and I can re hurry the return of Christ by godly living. And they list things like holiness and prayer and witnessing and things like that. Can I tell you, I really don't know about that. You say, why don't you know about that? Well, let me give you two reasons. Number one, because as you read, you remember in the book of Genesis, God let Abram know he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. You remember that? Did you know that holy living, if he'd have found so many righteous people, he wouldn't have brought judgment, right? Well, here he's saying holy living can bring judgment. Yeesh, that's a little bit backwards, isn't it? The holy living can bring the coming of Christ in judgment. You know? But then I, as I thought about this again, I thought about this. And you don't have to agree with me on this point or not. I'm just going to throw this out. This is one of those areas where I can't be 100% dogmatic, but I'm going to tell you what I think. Did you catch that? This is what Brother Scott thinks. Has everybody got that? This is what Brother Scott, what? Thanks, thank you. It's what I think. Go back to James chapter 5. Now you're in 2 Peter. The book right in front of 2 Peter is, guess what? 1 Peter. You got it. Thank you. And then the book in front of 1 Peter is the book of James. Well, if you go to James chapter 5, you will find this verse. James chapter 5 and verse 7, which is another reference to the coming of Christ. Look at verse 7, he said, Be patient, therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. Now, wait a minute. Who is patient in his coming? The Lord is, is he not? Now he's telling us, Be patient, therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Then What does he say in 2 Peter 3, 9? He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's long-suffering. You say, what's your thought, Brother Scott? My thought is that the Lord is waiting until that last soul comes to Christ. And then guess what? The clock will hit. And the rapture will take place. And sometime after the rapture, the seven-year tribulation, at the end of the tribulation period, you'll have the second coming of Christ. Jesus will come back, fight the battle of Armageddon. There'll be the... They will be the... Uh, um, Judgment of the nations. You'll have them, Satan will be bound. You have a thousand year reign of Christ on this earth. At the end of the thousand years, Satan will be loosed. There'll be another battle. After that, Satan will be cast in a lake of fire for all eternity with the beast and the false prophet, with the Antichrist and the false prophet. Then you'll have the great white throne judgment. After that, you'll have a, 
the old heaven and the old earth are going to be passed away during that time period. And then in Revelation 21, you have the new heaven and new earth and eternity. But you know what I think? I don't know if we can hasten the coming of Christ. Why? Because I think he's waiting for those ones to be saved. I think he's waiting for that last soul to come to Christ. But you know what I think is going on in verse 12 in 2 Peter 3? You know what I think is going on? I think he's letting us know that day is coming. We're moving toward it. We need to live expectantly because we could see the Lord come in our lifetime. We can see that come. Note one other thing about verse 12. It uses a different phrase. He talked about the day of judgment in verse 7, the day of the Lord in verse 10. And here in verse 12, he talks about the day of God. The day of God. Many people believe that the day of God refers to the eternal state after it's all over with. The eternal state. Look at verse 13 now, and I must hurry. Verse 13, Nevertheless, we according to his promise look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Yes, one of these days, the old heavens and this heaven, this earth and the heavens are going to disappear. God is going to do away with them. Why? He's going to replace them with new heavens and a new earth. Boy, what a day that is going to be. Revelation chapter 21, and I want to read that. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 1, he says this, And I, John, saw the, uh, excuse me, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Think about that. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth one of these days. And you know what he says in here in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3? He says, Wherein dwelleth what? Righteousness. Right now, the world you and I live in is not a righteous place, is it? No, it is a world full of sin, and an unrighteousness, it is a wicked, wicked world we live in. Amen? But you know what? One of these days is going to be in New Jerusalem. Now I want you to listen to what he said in Revelation 21 and verse 27. Now I remember in verse 21 he talked about a new heaven and new earth. And, and then he comes down and talks about the new Jerusalem, the big city that's going to come down, you know. And here, listen to what he says. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written... In the Lamb's book of life. Whoa. It's not going to be a place of unrighteousness. Think about it. Think about it. It's going to be totally different from what we have today, is it not? The hope that you and I have. By the way, we talk about the streets of gold. That's the new Jerusalem, right? Except you ought to read the, the, the description there of that city. The description. One day, though, my friends. New heaven, new earth. Look at verse 14 now. we got to hurry. Verse 14. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Now, again, there's one of those phrases. Since we look for this, you know, we're looking for this. Seeing that ye look for it, you ought to be diligent. The idea of the word diligent there is you ought to put forth that effort to be in peace. Now, you know what? What's the opposite of peace? Strife, right? In other words, we should not be people of strife. Have you ever noticed that a lot of believers today, they like to bicker, they like to fight, they like to backbite, they like to devour, huh? We ought to be in peace with one another. Then he says, without spot, spotless, not spotted by the sin of the world. 
And then blameless, unblameable, so that the finger of blame cannot be pointed at us. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about righteous living, holy living. Verse 15, he continues, an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our brother Paul, our beloved brother Paul, so according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. Again, he makes the point that the Lord's long-suffering is an opportunity for people to be saved. And even the Apostle Paul brought that out. The Apostle Paul brought it out. Romans chapter 2 and verse 4, he said this, And despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance, or, and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. God's long-suffering. He's patiently waiting, giving people an opportunity to get saved. Folks, God is long-suffering. He's waiting. Jesus hasn't come. All these future things haven't hit yet. Why? He's waiting. Because Ezekiel 33, 11, God doesn't take pleasure in the death of the wicked. Verse 16, as also in all his epistles, speaking of, uh, in them of things which are sometimes hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also other scriptures under their own destruction. Now, in verse 15, he talked about the Apostle Paul's, his writings, the scripture that he penned. Well, in verse 16, he talks about the Apostle Paul's writings again. And you know what he says? He says the Apostle Paul spoke of these things he's referring to in other passages of scripture, in the writings of Paul, in the scriptures that God used Paul to write. You also find these teachings there. But notice what he says about those teachings. I love one of these points. You know what that is? And I love this. Why? He says, you know, some of the scriptures are hard to be understood. Now you say, what does that mean? You know, let's be honest about it for a minute. There are some scripture passages that are difficult to perceive. The meaning and the thought, are they not? There are some scripture passages you look at and you're saying, really? Is that what it says? You're looking at it and you really don't understand and you're wondering about it, but you believe it because it's the word of God, right? But folks, there are those who are not true followers of Christ who will take those same scriptures that are sometimes difficult for you and I to swallow and understand. They will take them and they will twist them. The word unlearned there in the passage. Did you notice the word unlearned there in verse 16, notice it says unlearned and unstable rest. Unlearned. The word unlearned is kind of interesting. It means not a learner. Not a learner. Now I want you to think about that for a minute. I want you to think about that. You know what a disciple is? A disciple is a pupil or a learner, right? These are those who are not learners. Unlearned. They haven't accepted Christ. They're not true followers of Jesus Christ. And folks, let me tell you something. There are a lot of cults in our world and a lot of false religions in our world that have taken things in the Bible and have twisted them, have they not? And some of those deal with the second coming of Jesus Christ. Some of them have. They've twisted things. I mean, how many of us have heard the people set the dates for the coming of Christ or the end of the world? They've twisted the word of God. I mean, you know, the Bible says no man knows the day or the hour. Now, let me ask you, how easy is that? If nobody knows the day or the hour and a guy comes up and flips the day or the hour on you, guess what? 
He's twisted the scriptures. By the way, I love what the word twist means. You know what? The word rest there. Do you notice in verse 16 it says unstable rest? Rest. The word rest there, W-R-E-S-T, means to twist. In other words, they twist the scriptures. Or it could also, or and it also means this: torture. Torture the scriptures. In other words, they pull it apart to make their points. And why do they do that? My friends, what you and I need to understand is false teachers and people who do not believe in Christ that get up and teach the word twist the Bible for their own desires. Look at verse 3. Verse 3. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts, their own desires. They do it to benefit themselves, what they can get out of it. Verse 17, ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things, there's that line again, therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Again, since you know this, since you know about the return of Christ, you know about judgments coming, you know God is judged in the past, you know about the false teachers, you know about those who are mocking the things of God, he says, beware. Since you know this, beware. Why? You and I need to watch. You and I need to be on guard. That's the idea of the word beware. It means watch. It means to be on guard. Be on guard. Why? So that you're not destabilized. Do you see that little word there, steadfastness? The idea is so that you won't fall from your steadfastness. The idea there is so you're not destabilized. So that you're not knocked off balance by these false teachers. Folks, there are false teachers all over the place that are teaching their garbage, that are twisting the scriptures and making it say what they want it to say. If you don't believe me, just turn TV on and you'll hear all kinds of them, right? Man, I know some preachers that make great delivery on TV, but their doctrine, their teaching is wicked. I'm not saying everybody on TV is wicked. Now, don't go out here and say, Brother Scott said everybody on TV is wicked. No, I didn't say that. I said there are some on there, some on the radio. There are some in churches teaching wicked things. There's all kinds of false things being spread. I said at the beginning of the series that one of the things that really kind of, I guess it shouldn't shock me, is once in a while we'll have somebody walk in the building here and and they'll, they'll say something that, is just so off the wall scripturally, it's not funny. They've heard somebody teach something, and they've grabbed it. Folks, you and I need to be on guard because there are false teachers out there that want to subvert your faith, that want to destroy your faith, turn you away from the truth. That's why you need to stay in the Word of God. Amen? Get in the Bible, the Word of God. Get in the Bible. I I have found a new preacher I like. I really have. I found a preacher I like. He's a, he's a preacher out of North Carolina. He's a black preacher out of North Carolina. In fact, I showed Debbie something today on, on the internet that, and I listened to him a little bit today, and he was talking about this uh, quick little devotion thing isn't going to work in our day and age. We need to get into the Bible today. Read the Bible and study the Bible. In fact, I'm going to steal one of his thoughts for a message. And so, but can I tell you something? 
I'm not going to steal it. I'm just going to borrow it. So anyhow, I'll give it back to him if he wants. So anyhow, but it's already out there. But, and, uh, but folks, what am I saying? We need to get into the Word so that we know the Word of God because there all, is all this false out there. But then he closes out in verse 18. Notice what he says. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to whom be glory both now and forever. Amen. My friend, notice what he says. You and I need to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. By the way, the word grow there, you know what it means? It means grow, but it also has a different flavor to it. It means continue to grow. Continue to grow. Folks, you and I need to be growing in our knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But he also said in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The grace and knowledge. Now, most of us talk about the knowledge all the time, do we not? Right? We need to learn about Jesus. We need to learn the truths of the Bible about Jesus. Right? Yes! But you know what? We also need to grow in the grace of Jesus Christ. I think it was Warren Wiersbe said this. He said, we need to have Bible truth in our heads, but we need to show Bible truth in our lives. Somebody else said grace, and I love this, is the practical demonstration of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives as we live every day. Did you catch that? It's the practical demonstration of the fruit of the Spirit as we live every day. And what is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, temperance. Huh? Those things. It's showing it every day as we live as a Christian. We need to be growing in that grace. And then he said to him, be glory both now and forever. Amen. Jesus deserves all the glory, does he not? That concludes the chapter. Let me ask two things. Number one, if you're listening tonight, are you lost? My friend, let me tell you how much the Lord loves you. He loves you enough to wait to come back. He's patiently waiting, and it could be you he's waiting for. Or it is you if you're lost, rather. Excuse me. It is you. You need to make Jesus your Savior. You're not promised tomorrow. None of us are. Not promised tomorrow at all. Seems like every time I turn around here in Nashville... I hear of somebody else in a car wreck or somebody else dying or something else happening. The other day, Debbie told me, said, did you hear about the wreck up the street near our house? I said, no. Turned the news on and horrendous wreck. People went out into eternity. Another wreck on the highway, another one here. Somebody shot and killed, my friend. Then you have others that are taken by disease. Some just, they leave for no reason. We don't know why. They just pass in their sleep. My friend, you're not promised tomorrow. If you're lost, you need to be saved today. Today's the day of salvation. Jesus loved you enough to leave the glory of heaven, go to the cross to die for you. He was buried and rose again the third day to take your punishment on himself to be the substitute for sin. Would you turn to him? Jesus hasn't come back yet because he's patiently waiting, giving people a chance to be saved. My friend, are you a Christian? Let me ask you, are you living for the Lord? We need to commit our lives to living for him. And also, do we have lost family or friends or people we know that need Jesus? Let's do everything we can to try to reach them with the gospel. Everything. 
Jesus is coming again one day. What a day that will be. Amen. Amazing day. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your goodness. Bless our families and do a work here for us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I'd like to, to close with a, with a quick statement. If you're listening today and you don't know for sure that if the Lord were to return right now where your eternal home would be, let me encourage you, send us an email. We would love to send you resources to share the gospel with you. And even if need be, we can talk through the phone. And if you're close, we can talk in person. Just uh, let us know. If you're a Christian listening today, and you're not for sure if maybe your life is one that would point to God, point to, point to the Lord, and point, most importantly, to the change that has taken place in your life, let me encourage you to sit down and pray that the Lord would touch your heart on what needs to be fixed. I know we're all imperfect. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. And every single day we sin, we trip up, we mess up. We would love to pray for you. And we would love for you to pray right alongside us as well. That every day our lives would be an example to those around us. Well, thank you for joining us. It's been a real pleasure today. If you have any questions, feel free to go to our website, WhitleyMemorial.com, and send us an email through the Contact Us tab. You can also go to Facebook.com forward slash WNBC615 and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you and get back with you. We also encourage you to go to your favorite podcast platform, be it Apple Music, Spotify, and uh, look for the podcast, follow and subscribe, that way you'll never miss a message. On behalf of Brother Scott and our entire church family here at Whitley, my name is Daniel. It's been a pleasure. We'll see you next time.